Hello, and welcome to Make It Clear, a conversational podcast about all things related to water and wastewater. I'm your host, Angela Bounds, and I'm joined by my co-host, Sean Rapp. In each episode, we'll tackle a relevant topic with facts and expert opinions and make things clear. Hello, thank you for joining us again. As always, I'm Angela, and I'm here with Sean. Hi, Sean. Hello. Today, we're going to be talking about wastewater and tourism sites. So as restrictions around the world are lifted on travel, tourism is, again, a thing for a lot of us. A lot of plans were put on hold for the last year and a half, and people are starting to travel again. Sean, you were sharing some interesting statistics on travel. Yeah, uh, it was kind of interesting. I was just kind of doing some research before we got in here to record, and I was seeing that tourism has been on the increase for several years. Of course, we had that small blip over the last year and a half, but again, it's increasing again as things get going. And I noticed that of of people who are traveling, the Chinese are the number two group of mm-hmm. people behind the U.S. who are traveling to foreign destinations. Mm-hmm. They're soon going to be eclipsing the number of Americans who hold passports and travel, mm-hmm. which is a kind of interesting statistic. Right. Americans traveling to Central America or Mexico area, that's increased like between six and 10% in the last couple of years. Mm-hmm. So, you know, again, it, we know that tourism is rising and it's, it's a, it's a major thing. It's going to be even more major uh, as we continue to see this trend continuing to rise so right so tourist destinations hotels resorts things like that they come with their own set of needs for treating their wastewater so today we're bringing in brian cohen hi brian hello how you doing angela good how are you great happy to be here yeah so brian has been working with a lot of people to design and get get systems on some of these resorts and tourist locations. So we're bringing him in to have this conversation with us. So right off the bat, can you define for the listeners, what exactly is a tourism property? Sure, Angela. So basically the way we define it at Aranko, it's uh, any lodging accommodation that caters to a wide spectrum of vacationing guests. So it could be anything from a hotel resort to a campground, mm-hmm. RV park, uh, tourism communities even, such as condominiums, islands. So anything where people are going, hitching up their wagon and going on vacation and spending right. time. That's what we call it. Right. So tourist facilities and properties are a little bit different than municipal systems. Can you talk a little bit about those differences and what specific challenges they face? Yes, for sure. Well, definitely they both treat wastewater from toilets, from showers and mm-hmm. other other sources as that. But really where the main differences lie is these tourism facilities are subject to tremendous peaking mm-hmm. peaking factors. So think of it as, you know, your mountain resort that caters to a lot of hikers. So during the summer months, you might have a lot of visitors there. But then in the winter months, it's pretty much shuttered down and not much. And then on the flip side of it, think of spring breakers going down to Mexico or the Caribbean from December mm-hmm. to 
April. So in those cases, they're at 100% peak, but then the rest of the year, maybe it's only 25 or 50. And in fact, I think we have one of our case studies in Utah, I believe the peak flow is 30 times higher than the lowest flow. Right. So think about the challenges that that bring, right, in terms of maintaining and managing your treatment plan. So definitely it's something that, that we do a good job of doing, but I think a mm-hmm. lot of times people underestimate the, the challenges with that peaking. So really quickly, for those that don't know what he means by peaking, systems are often designed for what's called peak flow, right? So that point in time where the system will take on as much wastewater as it can. And with tourism facilities, what you'll see is you'll hit your peak. So you'll hit that highest capacity possible. And then you'll drop and receive almost nothing. Yeah. So you got that element of unpredictability that go with tourism facilities, whereas municipal, it's pretty predictable, right? Right. And uh, oftentimes your tourism facilities could have things like restaurants, it has laundry, it -hmm. has office facilities. So it's it's a lot more, less predictable than your muni systems. Right. So how are the designers handling those challenges that they face? Well, typically we go on vacation to not know that there's a wastewater treatment plant <laughs> right. <laughs> right. other than us. Yeah, <laughs> You don't normally equate tourism and wastewater, but right. you know, there is an intersection there somewhere. So. <laughs> well, it drives my wife nuts all the time. Like, oh, wonder where the wastewater treatment is. I always do but that no. too. I'm always looking for the lids. I'll, right? If I'm in a panel. remote location, I'm that person. That I'm not out there looking at the scenery. I'm out there at first being like, I wonder what they're doing to treat the wastewater out here. Like looking around to see if I can spot lids. I think it's a hazard of our profession. I think so too. Yeah, honey, I'm just going to go check and get some ice for the room, but then it's a 10 minute (laughs) quest on (laughs) locating their treatment facility. Exactly. (laughs) So with with that being said, definitely keeping it out of sight and out of mind is really your number one goal. And really, every every tourism facility might have a different objective, a different a different need. And mm-hmm. we see some of these facilities are really far away. They're in water scarce area where water is a very valuable commodity. So then you have to worry about the cost associated with water. So in that case, you know maybe you want to reuse your wastewater for mm-hmm. you know re- reusing for the golf course if they have a golf course, irrigation right. of greens or even toilets, right? Gray water. Mm-hmm. So I think knowing that. The facility that you're that you're designing the system for, you have to really design that appropriate system. And mm-hmm. oftentimes, low O and M, you want low energy, you want right. simple, you don't have a full time operator. So that's very important for these designers. Yeah. So, what kind of effect have you seen on facilities due to the pandemic? So I think the the main effects that we're seeing is there was always the adherence to keeping the guests safe and healthy. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's what I think their, maybe their mission statements or goals right. said. Yeah. But in reality today, it is of the utmost important of, you know, number one, just making those guests comfortable. You know, there's some trepidation with people traveling today. They're, they're still concerned and worried. So mm-hmm. you're going to see increased cleaning. You're going to see sanitary regimens. You're going to see distance measuring in place. So not cramming the guests inside of one facility 
I know I had a, a, a tournament, baseball tournament with my son, and there was limitations on the amount of kids allowed within the pool area. Right. So I think that type of thing is what we're seeing. But it'll be interesting to see how that, how that changes as we go, as time goes on and in the, the end evolves uh, with the pandemic on how we live with it. Right. You Are kind you of seeing... touched on this just a little bit. Sorry, yeah. Mary Angela. No. But, uh, I think you kind of touched on this a little bit. You said that the uh, tourists were more cognizant of maybe their behaviors. What kind of behaviors changes are you seeing when folks go to tourist facilities? Yeah, I think, uh, Sean, the, the main thing that we're seeing is people are preferring lower density tourism is, is the term that, that they're using. Mm-hmm. So, you know, think of, uh, think of the old school, put a wristband around your wrist, all-inclusive vacation, and everybody packs in. I don't think people are seeing that as a safe alternative. So, you know, it started during the pandemic. People were taking road trips, doing a fair mm-hmm. amount of camping, um, being out, out in the wilderness. So in terms of actual tourism properties, I think people will be spending a lot more time now um, and spending more money, to be quite honestly, in, 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 in a more luxurious environment and having that low-density experience. The other interesting thing is I've read recently that vacations are, being, are slightly longer now as well. So mm. maybe it's just pent up frustration from being cooped inside for so long. But I think also, I mean, let's face it, we can work anywhere from the world now. I mean, one thing the pandemic taught us is we can be remotely located as long as we have an internet connection and, yeah. you know, hey, Angela, can I do uh, five days of vacation and then stay here and do five days of work with this beautiful beach uh, view? Why not? Absolutely. <laughs> that sounds fantastic. So, so those are the trends that you're seeing is longer vacations less dense tourism locations. Yeah, and it's interesting. We're seeing quite a bit of design work as well in terms of projects that are catering to maybe a second home in, a, in an island location, a luxurious home. So mm. they know that if I'm in the Caribbean, hey, I'm in the Eastern time zone. You, you want to work in New York City in Wall Street or do you want to come down here and work part of the time? So <laughs> we have seen a fair amount of that and, and I love the trend and hopefully I can visit those sites soon. <laughs> yeah. That's actually rather interesting. Right. So why don't you talk a little bit about some of the projects that you've worked on and been involved in in some tourist facilities, tourism facilities? Yeah. So really, Aranko, we work all over the globe. We've had uh, installations from Australia to New Zealand, uh, the Caribbean I mentioned earlier in the Mediterranean. And uh, a lot of the projects that we work with are really, we like to line up our our customers in terms of similar value propositions. They understand the green solution. They understand the importance of a resilient system, right. easy to operate, stuff, uh, wastewater reuse, and even solar, some alternative mm-hmm. energy uh, capabilities. So, so really with Arenco, we have some real cool ones. Just to point out one in Australia, we have one of them that's a five-star resort that's called the in one of Australia's most environmentally responsible tourism destinations. And they're nice. reusing their treated effluent for irrigation. And even I've heard uh, cleaning the horse stables there. So it is pretty neat. But as a whole, we tend to align ourselves with four and five star resorts that really value those prop- value propositions that understand cost mm-hmm. of ownership, like the importance right. of, hey, we're catering to a high high dollar audience, uh, high dollar customers that demand first class mm-hmm. experience. We want that same experience with our wastewater treatment plant. Right. Sustainability is huge. Definitely. Definitely. Yeah. That's definitely an address. We were just talking about sustainability and resilience the other day with Mike. So 
How do some of these locations ensure that the systems are properly maintained? Yeah, it's, a, it's always a challenge because, you know, with municipal systems, you always have the the funding for a staff. And mm-hmm. typically, you know, you go to a, a municipal plant and you'll see a lot of people that you can talk to. And sometimes mm-hmm. the person at the tourism facility is the same person who might, you know, do do the grounds. You know, it could be just a general hotel engineer. So. Mm-hmm. You know, you want to have a system that's very simple and easy to operate and easy mm-hmm. to maintain. Right. So the first thing we always say is, regardless of what you have in your investment, you have to follow those guidelines and recommendations. Mm-hmm. Think of it like a vehicle, right? You, right. You, you, if you don't change your oil, if you don't change your tires, the vehicle's not going to last. So any right. investment in a treatment plant should be as simple to follow monthly or whatever quarterly guidelines. Yeah. And the second part of that is you really should align yourself with a company that's going to be there to stand behind its product product mm-hmm. in the system to, to, to help serve you. So it could be locally, it could be remote. Um, and, you know, us at Aranko, we have the ability to sell te- uh, telemetry controlled panels so we can actually go in and, and log in and check on the, the remote, mm-hmm. the monitor, the status of the plan and make little tweaks and recommendations. So it's something that, that we can add as well to that experience. Right. I can so, see where that would be really important for the person that owns the resort on the island where you have to fly in and out of, you know, getting somebody to come in and work on it at a moment's notice may or may not be feasible. So having companies that, that are reliable and can monitor remotely and supply you with the product in a timely manner would definitely be a good thing. Yeah. So just for kicks, why don't you tell the listeners as a guest something that they may not know about their wastewater being treated at a tourism facility? Mm, yeah, that's a good question. Probably would answer that by saying, oh, there is a wastewater treatment plant. Because <laughs> right. <laughs> right. I mean, if, if the goal is out of sight, out of mind, they might be surprised that there is one there. Mm-hmm. And we have a, a classic case in Greece where we were in a space constraint situation where they built the treatment plant right beneath the pool deck. So they have our AX100 pods underneath the pool deck. So imagine sipping on a whatever margarita, maybe an ouzo since we're talking grease, Mm -hmm. and six feet underneath below you, underneath the concrete, is an active wastewater treatment plant for the entire facility. Yep. So I think that that would be uh, mind-boggling to me as a tourist. Tot- totally unbeknownst to you, what's happening literally right below your feet. Absolutely, absolutely. Yeah. Well, and a second one too is in I talk to people that are not from our industry and they have no idea that you can reuse your wastewater in all these different capacities as well. And you, you guys probably have the same thing, right? Where you're yeah. like, oh, I never thought about that. We can drink our, our toilet water, right? To a degree, I guess. Well, yeah. a- after a little bit of treatment. Right. Maybe not, <laughs> maybe not right out the gate, but, but reusing wastewater is, it's not, it's not done enough. That is. Absolutely. That and is keep awesome. in mind, these facilities, some of them are using desalinization for the drinking water. Right. You know, they're in water scarce locations. Think mm-hmm. of the Middle East or. The western coast of Australia, some of the dry Caribbean islands. Yeah. So what better way to preserve your water for potable uses than to reuse wastewater for irrigation, uh, toilets, yeah, for golf toilet courses. Toilet flushing. 
Yeah. You know, what's Mm -hmm. interesting is that water reuse used to be more of a novelty thing Mm -hmm. and it's becoming more and more of an imperative. Right. As it should be. I mean, there's no reason not to. I shouldn't say there's no reason not to, but unless there is a limiting factor, there are less reasons not to. Yeah. 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 And and just with global warming and, and climate change patterns, I mean, we should be preparing for this, right? I mean, it's, uh, Mm -hmm. look what's happening in California and in parts of the West Coast. It's just, you know, water's being rationed. Now it's rainfall. We're we're having an Mm -hmm. abnormally dry year as well. So, you know, I think just future thinking things like water use and then also solar, you know, renewable energy, energy, and especially when you factor in that you're off grid, you know, and it's Mm -hmm. like, so why not do this as self-sustaining as possible? In an, right. in an environmentally friendly, in an environmentally yeah. friendly way. Yeah, a lot of be- people will cite cost as a factor, and I think that's becoming less and less of a factor as more and more right. people do it, and the uh, equipment is becoming more and more available and less expensive to right. operate and maintain. Well, especially on these tourism facilities, they have the ability to design reuse right there on site. Absolutely. Um, all right. Well, thank you so much for joining us today, Brian. Uh, we really appreciate it. Just real quick, Angela, if there are listeners who want to learn more about this, we also have a webinar that goes into more detail about this. So you can check that out on our website as well. And Brian is a, a wonderful presenter and he goes into a lot more detail about this particular subject. So if you're interested in that, please do check out that webinar as well. Absolutely. At arenco.com backslash webinars. It's where you can find that. All right. Well, thank you again, Brian. And thank you, Sean. And thank you, all of you listeners for sticking with us. We'll see you next time. Thanks again. We want to thank you again for joining us today. Before you go, don't forget to subscribe where you listen to podcasts so you're notified when new episodes are posted. Also, you can leave your comments or suggestions through the contact link on our website, www.arenco.com. Until next time, have a great day.